0: For this message, I've been thinking about this a while. This is my, uh, I kind of got a week of no series and I could preach on anything. And so I I thought I'm going to preach on the most important thing I can think of. And uh, before I bring the message, though, I just wanted to remind us of some things. So, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to you. I am crippled by self-doubt. It impacts every relationship I have, even the one with God. And I bring that to church every week. I live with Asperger's syndrome and suffer from depression, and I bring that to church every single week. I lost my father when I was 12, and I struggle with that every single day. It's been a really rough year, (laughs) so I've struggled with a lot of anxiety and depression this year, um, and that's something that I bring to church. I lost my son in a car accident, and I carry that every day, and I bring it to church with me every week. I am from a broken home, and I was abused as a child, and I bring that to church with me every week. Thank you. One of the things that, uh, y'all yeah, can have a seat. Um, one of the things that is most, one of the biggest misconceptions about being in the ministry is how many of y'all think I took a class? that has answers to those uh, problems. And the interesting thing is, as I was thinking about this, I could have asked almost any of you to come up here with something that you're bringing to church every week. And so as I was thinking about this message and and not just this message, I was actually sitting, I had the opportunity last week just to sit and watch uh, and listen and worship. And as Joey was preaching, one of the things that just hit me is, You know, church matters, that we are are broken people. All of us are bringing stuff into church every single week. But here's the the kicker, is that these very broken people, and and you as well, that, that are coming here to church, that we're the solution to the world's problems. We're the solution to those that are far from God, and we bring all of this into church. And so, I just want to ask the question. I know I never had a class in seminary that said, hey, when somebody loses their father at 12 or their son at 21, or when somebody has to go through, uh, a live with with something every single day, a disease that is not going away, or a condition that is not going away, or just anything. I know that there's not one I mean, you call me and I act like, ah, I got the answer. I'll walk you you through this. I'll I'll show you how. But I'm going to let you know that I don't have any words that could fix anybody's solution, okay, or anybody's problems, okay? So what are we supposed to do if, by the way, it's not on me, it's on you as well to speak? What words, what do you have to give to the people sitting right next to you right now? What do you have to give that could actually impact their life, that could actually change their life, that could actually bring them healing. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were going up to the temple in the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a lame man from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate at the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask for alms to those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as as did John, and said, look at us. And as he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them, Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, and he took him by the hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. The title of this message today is "What I have I give to you what i have I give to you and, and I want to break the tension because I know it's it 's a heavy way to start, so I want you to just reassure your neighbor, look at them and say, hey, I have what you got, I, I, I've got what you need, that's what you need to say, <laughs> I, I got what you need, okay, just tell them, reassure them, some of y'all are looking at me blindly, they need to be reassured, we need to lighten this up, okay. The King James Version, which is my favorite part of, uh, way, to, way to quote, okay, I, I never read the Queen, King James Version, but if I quote it, it's always more fun to quote it. Silver and gold I have none, but such as I have, I give to thee, that statement, is so powerful to me. I don't have gold or silver, but what I have I give to you because I think that the problem that many of us have as Christians is we focus so much on what we cannot give that it it renders our church impotent, powerless, because we're so focused on what we can't do, what I can't do. I don't have that gift of speaking. I can't do this or that. And in the meantime... The people next to us are hurting, and so today I want to tell you about something that every one of us has or has within reach. Every single one of us, and instead of focusing, instead of leaving this this message and this service today thinking, you know what, I wish I had that, you're going to see, you know what, I have the one thing that could change everything. I have one thing in my life that I could be doing, that I, I, could, I could wrap my head around. If I did this, it would change everything. The habit or the, the action point, whatever you want to say, I think today we're going to talk about is the most important one. And almost none of us choose it. This is more important than studying your Bible, I think. It's more important than just prayer. It's more important than just giving. It's more important than just about anything because if you do not have this, you will not do those. Peter didn't have any money. He didn't have any gold or silver. And he's walking and we always focus on what he did. What he did was he he healed, right? But before he even healed, understand that this man had been coming here every single day and this man expected Peter and and, and John to do what everyone else had done, walk right past him. And what they did was they stopped. And they were in a hurry. They were on their way to church. Hey, that's as good an excuse as you're going to get, right, for, for walking past someone in need. But before they ever healed him, before they ever did anything to him, they stopped. They stopped and they looked at him. Gaze is the word. They gazed at him. They actually stopped and took time and locked eyes and said, you know what, I'm stopping what I'm doing. And I'm going to put some space in my life right now so that I can interact with this person. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of living with margin. Living with margin. Now, margin is simply extra. It is the amount that you have beyond what you need. It is a very simple con, uh, concept. And everywhere in life, you want margin, right? Everywhere, we love margin. When you're reading a book, if it goes, you know, all books have that white space. You have margin, right? When you're on an airplane and your knees hit the, hit the seat in front of you, what do you want? You want a little bit of margin. Every single one of us. The reason that the front row only has my family, right? It's because you know what? <laughs> you got back here because you didn't want. You wanted margin, right? You didn't want the speaker right up in your face. And so, if it's the most important, it's the thing we want everywhere in our life. Why is it in our actual lives? It's the last thing. We give ourselves financially. We we go month to month, years into our lives. Some of us are, are in our thirties and forties. We've been working our whole lives, and we're still going month, to month. There's no margin. In our relationships, we are going so hard. We have hardly any energy left for our spouse at the end of the day, or for our kids, because we have no margin. And when it gets to work, well. We have to work, right? We have to, to if I don't put in the, the 10 hours instead of the eight hours, well then so-and-so is gonna get the promotion and he's gonna get the life that I want. You know what, if we don't get our kids to practice every single day, then they're not going to get the scholarship, they're not gonna get into the college and they're not gonna get the job. I'm going to ruin my kid's life if we practice tonight. And what happens is that we squeeze out The one thing that could change everything, if you don't have a Bible study, and and, and you feel far from God because you don't have time to pray, you know what you need? You need margin. You know what? You don't have enough money to pay rent. You know know what you need? You need margin. Margin is the most powerful thing. And here's the thing. In our minds, we think, I don't need more. I need more. I just need more. More is not a strategy to succeed. More is not a strategy, and here's how I know. At this point in your life, you have more money, for most of us, more money than you've ever had in your life. Yet you're still as financially strapped as you've been in life. You have more personal freedom at this point in your life, whoever you are, whatever stage, you're gaining personal freedom. You have more than you've ever had in life, but yet you feel as constricted or uh, as confined as you felt. You have more knowledge than you've ever had. At this point in life, you've got more knowledge than you've ever had. Yet some of us are more confused today than we have ever been in life. You don't need more. Let me tell you, more is a bad strategy. Used to, productivity was simply an idea that you could get your stuff done quicker so that you would be done. But now that's not what productivity is, right? productivity means I can do more and less time so that I can do more. I can pack my day with more stuff. I need to be more productive so I can get more done. And let me tell you, (coughs) more productivity so that you can get more time to do more stuff and fill your day with more, or you can make more money to spend more money, is a bad strategy for success. I'm telling you uh, that that if you really want to know what's uh, getting more time in your, your day so that you can do more things, that's a, that's a strategy to destroy a marriage. That's a strategy to destroy relationships. To get more money so that you can spend more money is a strategy to ruin yourself financially in a bigger way. The idea of I just need more, if I had more, I would fix this. That is a strategy to destroy your life. If I just had more money, more time, that is not. You need margin. You need space between what you need and what you have. You need extra. If I was a Pentecostal preacher, you need an overflow. You have to have excess. Now, here's what I want you to see. The best strategy in any area of your life is add margin, not more. Margin, Get space between what you need. Don't use everything you have. Drive in third gear, not fifth gear, okay? You can't, even marathoners, they don't sprint the whole time. They pace. You know, the the two-hour marathon was broken not too long ago in an experiment, and the guy ran faster the last hundred yards than any other time in the marathon because he had extra. He had more to give. Wars are won in the margin. The Roman Empire took over pretty much the known world, its area, and you know why they won? It's not just because they had good military strategies. They would go into a, a, a battle and they might lose five guys for every, or they might lose five guys for every one guy they killed. But Rome went into battle with 50 guys for every one guy. They won. In fact, that idea of a margin of victory. That's what we say, a margin of victory. They had margin. They had enough. They had more points than they needed, right? They had a margin of victory. You want success in any area of life. You have to understand it is margin. Now, in this church, whenever we talk about following Christ or discipleship, it's not just about what you do. It's always relationship. So we're going to put this in the context of relationship. I want to look at the relationships that are important to you and understand That the the way you you fix, the way you affect any of these relationships is you affect it with margin. And the first one I want to look at is your relationship with God. Your relationship with God grows in the margin. You may not realize this, but it grows in the margin. When margin goes down, then your trust in God suffers. When you squeeze out all of your time, all of your... That's when... Your relationship with God begins to suffer, and so you don't have time. I, you know, I just don't have time to get up and pray. I don't have time to get up and this. It, it's if I just had more time, but you don't need more time because you could get out, get up an hour early, right? You could, you could go to, you could, you could find the time. You need the margin to where you're not filling that time with something else. But here's what's interesting about your relationship with God: God mandated that you live on margin. Did you know this? It's one of the first things he did. He gave 10 rules, and one of them, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. In fact, this is the one when you're reading the the 10 commandments, you get to this one, and he says it like four different ways right in a row. He says, Listen, thou shalt get all your work done on Friday, thou shalt live on margin. Now, he calls it the Sabbath. He says you're not going to do anything, but he says it. He goes, you're not going to have your donkeys work. You're not going to have your servants work. You're not going to have your kids work. You're not going to work. Everyone's done on Friday. You're going to live your life. We've got seven days of the week, and you're only going to live your life working on six of them because you are going to live on margin. And in that margin, what's going to (laughs) happen? The world will still spin. Everything will still happen, and you'll sit there. And your relationship with God, your experience, the real experience where you stop for a moment and say, all that I've been working for, everything, God is still working in my life. In the margin is where you meet God. But God didn't even stop there. Most of us don't realize this. God kept going with margin. He told the entire nation of Israel, every seven years, we're going to give the land margin. And this is in Exodus 23. Every seven years, we're not going to plant, harvest, do anything. We're going to take a year off from all of our harvest work so that the land can have some margin, so that the plants can have some margin, so that the beasts of the field that are tilling this ground can have some space. Now think about this. The first time they hear this, and they've been working seven days, they they were slaves, they've been working... God, how are we going to live with just six days to work? What are we going to do on this extra day? How are we going to make enough? How are we going to have enough? (coughs) And God says, I guess you'll have to save a little bit, and you'll have to trust me. And then they ask, well, okay, a day is one thing, but a year? Every six years, we're going to take a year off. How are we going to make that happen? God, you don't understand how life works. God says, I guess you'll have to save a little bit extra and trust me. And then God oh, God hits him where it hurts. He says, oh, yeah, and about your finances. He says, your finances, you're going to have to give 10% to the temple. I want you to give 10% to the poor. And then, every so often, every few years, sometimes on three three years, we're going to give an extra above and beyond. In other words, you have 100%, but I'd like you to live somewhere between 60 to 80%. Live on that, and the rest you're going to have available to give away and to keep things running and stuff like that. And people, their mind would have been like, what are you talking about? I I make 100%, it's my, I wanted it. And God says, no, 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 no. If you're going to serve me, you're going to live for me you're going to meet me in the margins and the margins isn't just in your time it's not just in your stuff we're going to let your stuff the the land we're going to let it have margin and in your money we're going to let it have margin and every single time they would have reacted the same as you would react you just don't understand my situation I can't make it happen and every single time God has said I guess you're just going to have to figure out how to save and how to trust me because God Created economics. I don't know if you know that. God created the world. He created everything. And every single thing, God says, I know what you could do with 100%, but I don't want you living at 100%. I want you living with space because your relationship with me is going to happen in that space. I'm telling you, the best thing that you can do for your relationship with God is take a day off and just spend it enjoying Your relationship with God. The best thing you can do is spend 10 minutes in the morning or whatever with a little space before you get your stuff done and say, in this margin, I'm going to meet with God. But it's not just God that is affected by margin. It's yourself as well. This is, to me, the second relationship that we've got to deal with if we want to be healthy. Your relationship with yourself heals in the margin. Your relationship with yourself, all of the stuff we're dealing with, the healing takes place in the margin, in the space you give yourself. Getting more is not going to give you healing. It's giving margin. That's where you will get healing. When margin goes up, stress goes down. And think about this. If you have financial trouble right now, which uh, some of us in here do, and you think, I want more. If I just had more. If I, how many of you right now, you don't even have to, you can, you can admit this, you're on. If you had $15,000 extra right now, if I had more, $15,000 more right now, I think that would solve a lot of problems. Some of yeah. <laughs> But it's not more, okay? It's extra. If I had $15,000 extra, that's what you mean. If I had $15,000 margin, that's what you mean. If I had that space, because if you had $15,000 more and $15,000 and more bills, that wouldn't fix anything, would it? How many of you in your marriage right now think it would be a little bit better if you had a two-week vacation coming your way in Maui or somewhere like that, right? Yeah. How many of you right now at work think, you know what? If I had a little more margin, if I had two weeks before that project is due, then I, I wouldn't be so stressed. I wouldn't be so overwhelmed. Then I could take some time, plan this out. It's margin. Revelation three twenty, Jesus says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me." Jesus is saying, "Listen, I'm standing at the door and I'm, not, but this is the way we think. Why didn't Jesus just?" kick the door down, come in my house and fix this stuff? Why didn't he just take care of this stuff? And that's how we think, right? But that's not what it says, and that's not how Jesus works. He gives us our our time. We, we, We have to actually take the time to shut off the noise. Most of us, Jesus is at the door knocking and we're inside with our AirPods on. We've got Christian Kanye now going on our our AirPods and all that, all that stuff, whatever you're doing. And and you're busy and you're so busy in life and you're just, you're going and you're not taking that time right now to think. You know what, right now, Jesus is inviting himself into this area of my life, whatever it is, whatever I'm stressed about, Jesus is inviting him in and instead... I never turn the noise down even a little bit enough so that I could think maybe I should let him in. But listen, someday there's going to come a time when the noise stops and you make a decision, I'm going to invite Jesus in. It may be when you're in a hospital bed many years from now, and it may be that in that moment you say, Jesus, I don't know what I was thinking coming into my life. And in that moment, Jesus is going to come into your life. He's going to say, I am here and I'm ready to work. It may be after a divorce and you think that your world has crumbled. And you say, Jesus, I don't know what else to do. Come into my life. And Jesus is going to accept that invitation. He's coming in. It may be after you lose your job. But here's my question. Why would you wait? Why would you live such a busy life that you can't turn down the noise at all? so that Jesus can come in and begin to heal. If you're living a life where you get to the point on a routine basis where you say, I can't even deal with this right now. How many of you know somebody? We won't point the finger at ourselves. It's always easy to. You know somebody that's always, I can't even. That's how they say it, right? I can't even deal with this. And in that cry, what are they saying? I need some space. If I just had some space here to where I could process this, to where I could think through this, to where I could handle this a little better. They need space. How did you let yourself get get to this point? You're so focused on being productive or what you've got to do, you've kicked the trust out. And I'm telling you, maybe God is saying to you right now, you need to take some time in the evening or in the morning. You need, you need to deal with this. You need some healing. But I can't do it. I've got, you don't understand, my life, my life is different. I'm the one exception to the, to the Bible. I'm the one exception that God just didn't even consider me. That's what we think. Where it could be that God is simply looking at you saying, Listen, you might need to make some room here, but you've going to have to trust me. Instead of asking yourself constantly, how can I be more productive? How can I get more done? Maybe you should ask yourself, how can I get more margin? How can I get some space in this life? So just in case I hear Jesus knocking in this area of my life, I can actually say, you know what? I need to take some time and pray about this. I need to take some time and study and and, and think this through or go get some guidance. I need to, to heal. And it's not just you. It's not just you, it's also your closest relationships. Your closest relationships happen in the margin. You think that life is just 24-7, but it's not. Your relationships, the ones that matter the most to you, are only happening in the margins. They're only happening when you take your eyes off of what you're doing, what you want, and say, I'm going to let my relationships happen. Luke 10 But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. It will not be taken away from her. Mary chose to have some, marg- to have some margin. Instead of filling it with, hey, we got to get this house ready for Jesus. Can you imagine the stress of having Jesus come to your house? And yet she says, you know what? The relationship with Jesus is more important than what I've got to get done. But you see, that's, that's how it works. When margin goes down, relationships suffer. When margin goes down, self-centeredness goes up. We think about, I have to get this done. I've got so much to do. And all of a sudden, you need to understand that when you get into that mindset, you get so focused on what you have to do. You not only squeeze God out of the picture, you squeeze everyone else out of the picture. Man, I'm uh, afraid that there's some of us in this room that are gonna get to the end of our lives. And we're gonna have people say, you know what? My dad was there, but he wasn't really there. You know, my, my spouse was there, but she wasn't really there, or he wasn't really there. It, it could be the extreme. Hey, I mean, Jesus was always talking, he was there, but I wasn't really there. And Jesus might someday say, hey, I was there, you weren't there. Some of you right now may be in church, and you're not there. It's amazing to me how many of us have squeezed so much margin out of our relationships. We're on our phones, we're on not just our phones, we're at work, we're we're doing so much so that we can have the life we think we want, and in the meantime... We're the most unavailable people we have ever been. And the very people we love that we think we're doing this for are the people we're squeezing out. It's a trade-off. Listen, living life to the capacity, busyness, that's choosing to limit how much you're going to serve people. Getting everything you want done is choosing to limit the un- intimacy you have in your marriage and in your relationships. Making sure that you get everything done that you had on your agenda and getting everything you want done, that is the easiest way to make sure you are trading off your relationship with your kids, your wife, your husband, your coworkers, your friends. It's a trade-off and you think you're doing it for them, but in reality, you're trading off the relationship for stuff. Busyness is a choice, and almost all of us are making it. And almost all of us are using it as, a, as an excuse while we're cutting off the relationships in our life. But here's the real reason for me: is because as a church, it's not just about us. We've got to. Be available for ourselves, and some of us have already cut ourselves out of ch- interaction in church enough so that the very people up here in the baggage we bring in, we're not feeling the call, you know what? I need to I need to speak. We, we've already busied ourselves out of that. But then we begin to miss the bigger picture of the church. The church has a mission. And guess what? Mission happens. What do you think I'm gonna say? Where? In the margins. Your mission happens in the extra, the overflow. And if you don't have the overflow, you don't have it. This is what Paul said. He says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him if they have not heard? And how are they to hear unless someone preaches? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent as it was written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The best followers of Christ are not the smartest. They are not the best speakers. They are the ones who are there. They are the ones who are available. They are the ones who can walk down the road and say, you know what, I know I want to get to church. I know I want to get to work or wherever I've got to go, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to create some room in my life for someone else that is hurting and we cannot be available to others if we fill our lives to the max. The way we're going to impact the world is we've got to be healthy. We've got to have margin in our own lives. We've got to have healing. We've got to be growing towards God. But we've got to have the mindset that I can't fill my schedule, not just because it's unhealthy for me. If I pack my schedule so full that I'm not in any connect group, I'm in any uh, serve team, and I can't connect with anyone, I'm telling my church Hey, I don't have time for you and your problems. You deal with, yeah, that seems like a lot. Hey, I gotta be here. I gotta stay late for work. Or I gotta make sure I get to 30 practices. Or I get to... And just understand, this is serious to me, that when you fill your schedule so much, it's not just you you hurt. It's not even just the people you love you hurt. You're telling the world the mission God sent us on. I don't have time. God, I don't have time to go. I have not even thought about it because I've got to get my stuff done today. One of, if not the most important habit a follower of Christ can have is having margin in your life, having space in your life to stop and talk to the guy in the cubicle next to you, the office next to you, when he says this is a rough week to stop when you, you see your, the, the single mom and you just have, take time and say, you know what, I bet she's tired. I bet it would help her if I went and got her kid and let her kid play with my kid or whatever. I bet it would help. But if you don't stop, you'll never think about the mission. If you don't put space in your life, you'll never think about the, the mission. And every one of us in here brings baggage into this church. And we're no good for us. You're no good for the person sitting next to you. If everything you think about is, God, how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to deal with my emotional baggage? How am I going to, to get through my week? If every one of us in this room has that mentality, then we're all on an island, and we're never going to be able to fulfill the call God has given us. You know, when a few weeks ago uh, Angie called, I saw Angie was calling me and I'd actually prayed for her two days before that. And you know what? I guarantee if you ask her she won't remember one thing I said, <laughs> probably. But she remembers I answered the phone. Man, five years ago Ricky and Jenny, I got a call. Or it was more than that. It was years ago, a few years ago. And They, actually, Teresa called me, and she said, hey, we've just lost someone that's important to us. We lost a family member. And I called my mentor, and I'm like, what do I even say? What do I even do in this situation? And he said all these things to say, and he gave me good advice, and then he stopped, and he said, listen. Remember that they're not going to remember one thing you say to them. They're only going to know if you were there. The biggest crisis we have in this church is that we are not there. Not this church, the church. Is that we have busied ourselves out of being there for the mission we are called to. And so this is how I want us to close this, okay? I wanna end this uh, message uh, by recognizing the reason we filled our, mar- our lives with margin. I believe it's fear. I believe it's a fear. It could be the fear of missing out, hey, I gotta be there, I gotta do this. Hey, somebody else will take my, my job if I don't, or I'll miss out on this, the life, they'll get the life I wanted. It may be the fear of not having enough, you know what, if I don't get this done, it's not gonna get done, and then what's gonna happen? It may be the fear that no one else can do it, and it's really pride. But if right now, it's, whether it's your finances, and you realize I've, I've lived with so much uh, lack of margin for so long, that I don't even think about giving. I don't even think about generosity. Or I've lived with so much, which a packed schedule for so long that I push so much amount. I don't even want to deal. That I, I don't. I have a fear of dealing with this stuff. So I busy myself. I want you to take just a moment, real quick, and I'll go ahead and invite the band up to the stage. Because what we're going to do is, you should have gotten a card. You may not have gotten a pen. You might have to borrow a pen. But I want to challenge you to th- just write down anonymously. Write down the fear that you have that keeps you from creating margin in your life. Maybe you have a fear of others, and you don't want to know, you know, you don't want that responsibility. Maybe you don't think you're enough, and you don't want to be in a position where you have to be called on. I'm telling you, mine's the fear of missing out. Mine is, you know, I want to be, yeah, the FOMO. I want to be there. And so I say yes sometimes to things I shouldn't. A lot of times I'll work too long because I like work. Hey, I want want to do this, but I'm I'm trading it off with a relationship with my family or a mission. So what we're going to do in this time is the band in just a moment is going to start to play. And as they play, we're going to, as Christians, we're going to remind ourselves that we have a God who's stronger than our fears. And I'm going to challenge us to make space, but what we're going to do is You're going to take that card. You don't write your name or anything. And if you, uh, in just a moment, you're going to bring it forward and you're just going to drop it in this bowl symbolically at the cross. And then after that, we've got two stations for the Lord's Supper. Because it's very important for us to remember that Jesus offers us something that none of us on our own can do. All of us in here are broken. And Jesus is the one who says, hey, when you're not enough, when you, when you know that you're not gonna be able to, to be good enough or, or to do what you wanna do, I am the one who's gonna fill in that gap. And so what he did was he had a meal with his disciples and he reminded them, no matter what you're facing, no matter how, how, how uh, little you think of your capabilities, I want you to remember who I am. And, and the first thing he did is he took a piece of bread And he took that bread and he broke it and he reminded, listen, my body is broken for you. Any sacrifice you think you need to make, I'm making that sacrifice on behalf of you. There's nothing in here that you have to do to be whole with God. Jesus did it when his body was broken. But then he said, he took a cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. He said, when you take this and drink, you're going to do it remembering me, remembering that simply because you have this relationship with me, every sin, every problem, everything that you're not going to get done this week, every bit of motherhood that you're not good enough for, every bit of being a worker, an employee, an employee that you're not good enough, every single problem you have, I have enough to cover that eternally. And so I'm going to pray. Uh, and I'm going to invite you, just as you feel led, to come forward and just leave that there. If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. You can stay in your seat. But I want to invite you also to receive the Lord's Supper, and you'll do that on your own. You'll just take a piece of bread, eat it, and then you'll take a moment. If you want to do it with your spouse or, some, uh, or a friend, that's fine. And then you'll take the drink. And when you do that, though, you remember symbolically, Christ broke... His body for me. His sacrifice covered any failure that I ever will face. And His blood covered any sin I've ever committed. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much that even when we take a a moment to look at our lives on a Sunday morning and realize, you know what, I've been going so focused on the things I want that I've squeezed out, not just my relationship with you, I've squeezed out my healing in myself, I've squeezed out my relationships with my family or friends or coworkers, and I've squeezed out some of the mission that you put me on. In this moment, Lord, I want to recommit myself to leaving space in my life So that when I know, hey, my brokenness needs a savior in this moment, we can take the time, rather than trying to fix it ourselves, to go to you. Call on your name in that moment. Remember who we are. We are a child of God. We are forgiven. We've been made whole by your stripes. and Lord, in our relationships tonight and this Thanksgiving holiday and from now on, Lord, let us take a moment to realize, you know what, I'm busy, i got to get stuff done, but really what I need to do is I need to be with these people so that I can be with these people, that I can show them the love of God, I can show them who you are. And Lord, this week, open my eyes to the people who are hurting, that normally I would walk right by, because everyone else is walking right by, No one else has time for them. They're not even going to notice if I walk by. But let me stop and fix my gaze upon the people that you have put in my path. And I may not be able to give them money. I may not even be able to give them a healing in your your name. But, Lord, what I can give them is a moment of my time, a prayer for healing. Open my eyes this week, Lord. Lord, we ask that you'll push out the fears and the obstacles so that we can look to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.